to another episode of the Daniel White Show. Today we have the Corey Holloway in here, the one and only man. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? How I'm are doing, you doing well. I'm, I'm honored to be in this space, man. This is so crazy. I mean, when I first met you, I came in here, I was like, how does he have all these things? That's crazy. I think I, I met you at this space or I met you before? I met you before at 503. Yeah, yeah, you met me at 503. Exactly. You were across yeah. the street from Meg, who I yeah, work with. So just imagine all of this in that little bitty spot. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I saw it in there. I was just like, how in the world did you know where anything is in this space? Well, it's done grew. It's definitely done grew. Yes. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was time to expand. Yes. And Corey is the owner of uh, Forever Yesterday, which is uh, you upcycle, or I guess are you a reseller? What, what would you say? What would you call yourself? Uh, vintage dealer. Yes. Uh, okay. I yeah. do some kind of upcycling. Um, I also, you know, deal with stuff that I grew up with. Yeah. You know, stuff from the eighties, nineties. You know, what I'm saying. Get a specific stuff time. Older period. stuff yeah. too. You know, what I'm saying. So anything that interests me, I buy it, recondition it, re, you know, fix it, and then. Put it out there, and hopefully somebody want to buy it. That's dope. That's dope. And we'll get back to that because I know you have a story all before you even got here. We yep. kind of briefly talked about it before we uh, started recording. So, yeah. So, first of all, tell us where you're from. Let's start there. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yes. Born and raised. Yes. Southern boy. <laughs> um, that's where I'm from. From Tennessee. And obviously, you've been all over the place. But how was your life in Tennessee? Like, what, what was it like? It was cool. Um, I was one of those kids that uh, always wanted to... Play and be everybody's friend, but mm. I didn't necessarily have everybody want to be my friend okay. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, my my experience was good. You know, I had a real strong mom. It's awesome. Um, yeah. That put me out there. I got a little brother or whatever. Um, that you know would call me out if I need to be called out. Hey, or whatever. That's good though. You know, so that's sometimes good. I say I look up to my little brother Andrew. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but it was really cool. It was really it was a good learning experience and I, I got a chance I went to a performing arts high school and so oh good you've been arts yeah 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 so being artistic it's always been something inside of me I was in theater yes and really I, yeah that's dope yeah yeah so I was in performing arts high school I was doing theater I did one man shows and stuff like that or whatever and that really actually you know kind of put me on a path to kind of understanding that I needed to be a little bit more free in the things that I do. Yes. You know, working in just like a business, punching the clock every single day, didn't seem was going to be the thing that I would be good at. Um, everybody always says, you know, you got to grow up and get a job when you go to college and stuff like that or whatever, and that's fine. But I always wanted to find something that I could... The Daniel White Show is proudly sponsored by Lucky House MFG. Lucky House is an eco-friendly screen printing and design studio with over 10 years of experience in the industry. They offer high-quality custom printing services, including apparel printing, graphic design, promo goods, and embroidery. Visit www.luckyhousemfg.com to get a quote and to learn more. Yeah, because I always had a problem not necessarily following rules but just kind of conforming to what everybody else was doing yeah, yeah i wanted to be my own independent self but i'm not one of those kind of people just like verbose and just lie with it i'm just kind of really reserved i like to sit back look at everything what's going on and then just boom hit hit my area go into stuff that i know i can do well and i was the kind of person that everybody knows 
but did nobody hate or love. Okay, so you were in that in between of yeah. like, oh, I knew who that is, but I don't really know much about him, and yeah, he's cool. I was like the friend broker. Yeah, yeah, I, I was just the, the <laughs> gray get name for it. Yeah, I was the, the the guy in the middle. Hey, you know, even in college, I was that dude. Everybody knew Corey. Corey had us hand in here, kind of like you. Your kinda, yeah, yeah. I, yep. You know, I was just everywhere. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I always felt there was a good area and more comfortable area to be in. Yeah, yeah. So, I like that. I like that. So you were kind of a free spirit even back then. Yeah, absolutely. Had to be. Yeah, to yeah, be. yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. So obviously you went to the arts, uh, school of arts for high school. Um, I guess going out of that, you went to you say Columbia. Yeah, Columbia yeah. Uh, College in Chicago. Awesome. Actually, before that, because you being into the adventure stuff now, were you into fashion back then? Like, were you, did you have a fashion and, sense? And, and I kind of was, but not really. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, you know, early, you know, late 1990s, early 2000s, you know what I'm saying? So, of course, you know, I, I had some fashion sense, you know. I was rocking the Tims. I was rocking the Avery's jackets, you know what I'm saying? I Gang, was, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was doing all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? So, I understood it. You know what? What looked good at yeah. the time. Yeah, and I've always been hip hop. Used to MC, of course. Still do kind of, I guess, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of got it. But going to Columbia, I actually saw a lot of people that were really into fashion. Mm. How avant garde it can be. About to say, yeah. yeah you know, you would have a guy walking around with like teddy bears all over his pants. In the middle of the winter in Chicago. He just like, what? Yeah, with a tank top on. It's like, oh, okay. Is that high fashion? Is that what we doing? You know, and I'm, I'm rocking like the Avrex bomber. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, yo, this is weird. That's crazy. So, to answer your question, I always had the eye for fashion, just not where it is now. Right. If that, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And I want to add this, too. Growing up in Chattanooga, my grandfather used to always... My grandmother and grandfather used to always take me to like pawn shops and stuff. Really? And oh, I used to go yes. Flea markets and stuff. And I used to, you know, even at like 12, 13 years old, I would set up, because I used to collect baseball and basketball cards. Okay. Okay. I would yeah. set up uh, at the flea markets and sell baseball and basketball cards to like really? all these guys, right? And so that kind of, with the going to pawn shops and stuff, seeing old things and understanding old things and how to research and catalog those things. My grandfather, uh, Granddaddy Percy, give him props. Shout out, shout out. Shout out to Granddaddy Percy, <laughs> uh, Grandma Percy. Uh, they taught me to appreciate stuff from a, a, a older time, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that's that. kind of where the seed was planted. About to say. You know, with everything else kind of going into it, that's where I am right now. Full circle. Full circle. Right? I love that. I love that. Okay, so you slinging cards at flea markets and all that back in the day. Yeah. And Mom used to borrow money from me. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you were making you were making good coin. Man, decent. Listen, I was I was making some decent decent cash at a young. And so, what age do you think this was again? Uh, shoot, 13. 13. 13, That's, Yeah. And this, and you were born. Where, where, where were you born? I was born in '79. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you back then you were, you were, you were killed it. That's right. super dope. And let me add another thing too. Yeah, this is another thing with my up, upbringing. My grandmother, uh, a granny, used to call her granny, Lorene King. She had she was the uh, neighborhood candy lady. Okay. So she always sold candy. She oh, had the frozen yes. pickles, yep. chips, the whole time. Oh, so everybody yes. was gonna. So that was also into what I'm doing now. You know, what I'm saying that work ethic and. You know, understanding your products and understanding your market because 
you know, in the South, I don't know if a lot of people heard of Crystal, but, you know, little Crystal hamburgers, like White Castle hamburgers or whatever. I'm, I remember those being, my dad has talked about those before. Yeah. Yeah. So when everybody in the neighborhood was like, man, you know, I wish we would have, you know, Crystals. I don't want to go across town or whatever. Granny found a supplier for the burgers and the buns and the uh, onions and the <laughs> uh, pickles. So dope. And she would serve Crystal burgers out of her house. House. And probably make a killing. Making a killing. She would sell them for 35 cents a pop. Oh when Crystal was setting up for twenty five cents a pop, but you go to her, you get them for thirty five cents a pop. That's crazy. Yeah. So she's beating the actual. Right. The so actual just imagine me, eight nine years old, working her candy store. Wow. At her house. That's wild. The slinging product. Yeah, slinging product. And let me tell you, you mentioned the candy lady. Uh, that that that's nostalgic to me because when I went to cousins and all that stuff in different areas where I grew up at High Point, mm-hmm. um, I remember going into Candy Lady's houses and with a few dollars and getting some soda and some candy, all that. That just that took me way back when you said that. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a vital part of a lot of neighborhoods. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying. It's different culture thing. It's just it's crazy. But that 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 whole hustle business mindset. You yep. know what I'm saying. Yep. Kind of put me in the mindset like, okay, I'm gonna do my own thing yeah. at some point. Yeah. I don't know when, but I need to get there. But this is the life that I want. Yeah, this is the life I want. And it's 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 not <laughs> it's not as easy as I wanted it to be, especially with the pandemic and stuff, but you know, okay. it's working. It's working. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Because okay. I'm curious what's how you got to Chicago from Tennessee. So fill that gap. Um, so like I said, I went to a foreign arts high school. Um, it's called Children's School for the Foreign Arts. And when we were getting ready to go to look at different schools. Uh, I had a friend of mine named Zach Law Liberty. Uh, he kept talking about the school, Columbia, Columbia, Columbia. His mm-hmm. dad actually taught at the school. He was my theater teacher. Oh, really? Right. It's crazy. So I was like, what, wow. what is Columbia? Let me look this up because he was younger than me. So I looked up Columbia. I saw what it was about. I had visited Chicago with the school uh, a couple of years before because we, we always used to go on these like trips every year with the school, um, the foreign arts part of the school. And I was, I came back home and I told my mom, I was like, this is like 95, 96. I was like, yo, I think I could go to Chicago. I think I can live in Chicago. And she was like, you want to live in that big city with all those people? I was like, I think I could. Yeah. Fast forward to, you know, my graduation. I graduated in 97. And after hearing what Zach was talking about, I was like, I think I want to go to Chicago. And so when I talked to my mom, she looked at how much it cost. <laughs> and she was like, Ooh. before we decide to spend this amount of money, why don't you go to a little community college in Chattanooga first? Yes. And then decide if you want to do it. So I went to that community school, um, the community college. It was great, but it was like, you know what? I still want to go to Chicago. And so after looking up information and saw an exact was going there, so I would know somebody that was there. That's good. Yeah. I went to Chicago. That's crazy. Yeah. So in, in that in that meantime, when you going to community college, did you ever visit? No, no. So no. you you in that one time or whatever at school, and then you were like, nah, it's in my back of my head. I, I'm going to yeah, eventually I get there. Go. And it was funny because I was looking up all this information during the whole time while I was at uh, Chattanooga State about what it's like living in Chicago and what kind of gear I need for the winter and <laughs> yeah. all kind of stuff like that. <laughs> the coat I bought my. In 98, the, the, the big huge, I call it Big Blue, me and my wife does. Yeah, Her yeah. Her name's Melissa. 
I still have it. You still have that gun from 98? That's crazy. I still have Big Blue up in the closet because that is like the 30 below. Like, I spent coin on that coat. But it's like the 30 below, you know, climbing mountain. Everest, yes. And in Chicago, you need it. Go, yeah. That that could be a whole nother podcast about how cold it is in Chicago. Let me tell you, my brother went to the Navy and he ended up going to where after his boot camp, he would be graduating in December uh-huh. in, in Chicago, the Navy Academy, whatever, in Chicago. So, of course, we went. I remember it was December 22nd. Drove to Chicago. And we used to some kind of – some. it's been a few bad winters in North Carolina. Nothing crazy. It's all very tolerable. But let me tell you, when we drove into Chicago in that winter, there was – I've never felt anything like that in all of my <laughs> life. It was so no. – it was – I mean, I can't remember. It was freezing. And the wind was horrible. Yeah, see, they call it the Hulk. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When the Hulk come off the lake and they cut right through you. Oh. Like, oh. Yeah, dude, it's, breath- it's literally, when people say breathtaking, that's breathtaking wind. Literally. Literally, I was just blown away. My brother was like, bro, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hardcore. Prepare yourself. Yeah, it's hardcore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, obviously, you went there, and um, so explain maybe the highlights of going to uh, Columbia. It was cool. Uh, you know, it. people always say college is one of those places where you can actually kind of reinvent yourself. Okay. Um, and so I totally felt like I kind of did because I was able to just kind of open myself up um, and just start finding out who I really was and mm. what I really liked and the, the things I wanted to experience and, and, and meet different people from different backgrounds and cultures and, you know, even religions, you yeah. know? Um, so it was a good learning opportunity. You know, it was, a, it was a good learning opportunity for me to just kind of expand who I was. I love that. that. Sense. I love that. Um, some of the highlights, you know, I, I rhymed and stuff like that when I was in okay. high school. So, you know, I got with a whole bunch of, Dudes in Chicago. See, now, okay. Yeah, this is like the early, you know, 98, 99, <laughs> early 2000. So Chicago hip hop was a little bit in, in a different place than it is now. Um, but yeah, it was a whole bunch of underground, you know, MCs that I used to ride with, you know. That's dope. Uh, one of the dopest, you know, I, I call him my mentor was Mr. Greenweeds. Okay, uh, okay. Dude in Chicago, he worked at Columbia, you know, had the long locks. You know, saying he was just one of those dudes that had been rhyming for a long, long, long time, and you know, I just always kind of looked up to him. But it was some other MCs, uh, Dink, John, uh, Diamond, female MC. She used to just kill it. You know, we used to stand outside of this building called the Hokin. Okay, okay. We used to just uh, that was like the lunch area where everybody eat, do homework. It was kind of like a calm. It was kind of like a coffee shop. Work area, workspace, or whatever. Okay, okay, yeah. And, but we were standing out for, uh, uh, and my boy Iron Moss, I gotta say him. Okay. But we were standing in front of uh, the Hulking, and we would just be rhyming all in a big cipher. You know? Oh, that sounds dope. Was, Iron Moss was dope because he would be the only person that would come up there with a drum set. A whole drum set? Well, it was it was the, the, the kick drum, the snare, and the cymbal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would drum and rhyme at the same time. His own. Da, 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 yeah, and be yeah. rhyming at the same time. That's difficult. Dude, his mind, it's like when you look at him, his mind would just be like gone because he was he was completely focused on it. Yeah. You know, That's but crazy. that was like the highlight. 
That okay. was one of my highlights. You know what I'm saying? That's cool how you were able to, not to cut you off, but how no, you no, were no, able no. to, because obviously going to a big city is, is it's kind of scary for a kid because obviously you know that one person. From the South. Right, from the South. Right. Small town. <laughs> and you were able to find your way to fit into a group and, you know, kind of be yourself. And that's cool that you were able to find that way of, you know, meeting people and being part of the community. That's awesome. And yeah, and I, and I went to school for music business management. Right. So that whole, you know, group and, and, and just being around those people, I was always into the music. Uh, I was always learning and getting to meet people. Um, uh, at, at the time, I worked for Universal. I did a little internship with Universal. Mm. Um, you know, okay. that opened me up to meeting a lot of folks. Holy moly. Uh, I think we talked about <laughs> when you first came in. Um, Kanye, I met him when he, they used to do this music conference. I used to work at uh, the radio station WGCI up there. Okay. And uh, we used to do a music conference every year, and I met him for the first time there. Wow. So a lot of the Kanye people see in the documentary on Netflix, that was the Kanye Mm -hmm. I met. You met, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. but it was it was it was cool, you know, working on street teams, you know, meeting people, going to different places, setting oh, up the street teams. Yeah, I mean, yes. understanding marketing and, and 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 understanding, you know, how how the culture can move depending upon what's popular. Yeah, and understanding that though from yeah. an aspect of a business, you know, it's it's like everything that I've done, everything that I've been through has put me in this place where it's like you have all the tools to actually have your own business. Yes, okay. You just got to do it. Yeah, yeah. So that was another layer on top of the onion of you know who who forever yesterday is and yeah. you know how this business is developing. So that's super crazy. You know, I'm, yeah. and I kind of envy people who were even photographers that I know who were at it back in the early two thousand. All that how marketing is so different. Because it's almost like you were doing guerrilla marketing. You were out in the streets yeah, promoting yeah. yourself, handing out flyers, handing out business cards, actually having business cards, handing them out to people and all that. Because you didn't have the Instagrams. You didn't have all that stuff. So I'm always just like, how did you, were you able to market yourself in that environment? And you mentioned the street teams and all that. And I, I, I kind of remember street teams. I mean, I wasn't born you know, too long ago. But that's that's crazy to me how you were just, the marketing was just so different back then. Yeah, and, and it was it was. It was fun because it actually got you a chance to not only meet the people, but to actually feed off the hype of the actual product that you were pushing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, another one of my good friends, dude named Jack Bear, um, he uh, was doing his thing in Chicago. You know, he was always working on street teams. It could be for Red Bull when they used to have stuff for Mountain Dew back in the day. Yes. They used to have a Mountain Dew truck come through <laughs> with the big speakers and all that. I mean, again, I want those kind of people that would just sit back and look yeah. and, and see what was going on and see how people were interacting whatever, uh, with product and, 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 and the music and the lights and the sound. You know, it would be all exciting, you know what I'm saying? I mean, one of the things, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later, is is uh, one I'm doing every year or every month is uh, me and a friend of mine and Tim, we're doing this thing called uh, the Vintage Classic. And we're getting into that guerrilla marketing, mm. getting the flyers, going out to stores and meeting people and talking to folks. Uh, because it's one thing to be able to uh, do everything on social media. 
but it's 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 a real organic thing to actually build from the ground up. Yes. And meeting people and talking to people and shaking hands. Yes. So you know that's one thing that we want to try to do, but. It's something that I think a lot of people, it's something that's kind of been lost over time. You know, people are so keen on just meeting people just online, you know what I'm saying? But it's so much more of a, a personable thing to really go out and shake someone's hand and talk to them and do a face-to-face. I think it's a more, you have, you establish more of a la- long-lasting, um, um, I guess, relationship or whatever. Right. If you just meet someone in person and actually talk to them. Right. Um, and online is great. I love that we're able to do this Instagram thing, but I'm trying to rear back from social media now and do more of that right now. And, and, and the thing is, and I learned this just from teaching and just being observant of people, a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people are intimidated by actually meeting and talking to folks. Yes. They don't want to look people in the eye and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Let's work together. Yeah, they're afraid or don't know that, so it's almost like a, a, a they're socially scared of being able to just go out and ask for what they want mm. or promote themselves. Yeah, and that's the part that will hopefully differentiate what we're doing and what I'm doing um, versus everybody else that just does complete, you know. You know, social media and stuff like that, or whatever. So yeah. we, we'll see. Yeah. But it's something that I I truly believe will work. It's going because to work. I'm used to it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's some of those, some of those old tactics are still better than new ones. So I, yeah. I hundred and ten percent believe that. And I think a combination of them is what you want. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Absolutely. I don't think people know the the hand to hand granola marketing aspect versus just the social media part. So yeah. Yeah. So I applaud you on that, by the way, because I know you're still doing that with, with even this stuff now. It's super dope. Yeah, yeah. It's it's difficult, especially being new to the Greensboro area, because I don't know people as much. Uh, but I'm slowly getting into that. And I think, again, you know, the pandemic has kind of messed it up for everybody. Ooh. But, you know, yes. it is what it is. Absolutely. Right. Um, so you ended up teaching. So actually, let's get, let's get to the end of your college years. Okay, okay. So you did music production. Yes. Did you end up, was it music business? Yeah, music business. A little bit of production. Okay, cool. So, did you, was your initial plan to get into music? Because I know you. Yeah. Yeah, so, so my initial plan was to get into music. I had a whole bunch of leads and, you know, I'm fresh out of college. I graduated in 2002. I was like, yo, I'm finna, I'm finna do this thing, you know what I'm saying? I'm finna become the great, you know, Mary Gordy, you know what I'm saying? I'm finna do this. And it didn't work out there. So after a whole bunch of leads and interview with a whole bunch of different companies, Universal, BMG. Oh, wow. You know, huge, I, company, huge. Yeah, Sony. Uh, you know, I had a couple of leads of going to New York. Uh, if people don't know about the Harry Fox company, that's all about, you know, your mechanical royalties and stuff like that. So I had a whole bunch of interviews and opportunities and. You know, even with Def Jam, went to their offices. Oh, I was really? like doing all this stuff. I was like, yes, I'm gonna make it. And it just didn't work at all. Ah, uh, man. So I ended up working at Target. Hey, that's <laughs> hey, that's real. That's real. That right. happens. And what happened was, and this was the messed up part, I actually had a uh, nerve issue in, in my head. And so after I graduated and had all these opportunities, I had a nerve issue in my head and I had to have surgery. So that kind of put me out for two years. Two years. Right out of, after being out of, you know, school. Um, 
it kind of set me all back because I had all this knowledge, all this information, and all this, you know, momentum to go forward. And then, you know, I, I think God just said, yo, I need you to sit down. So he sent me down for two years. Two years. Um, so I had to move back home with my parents. Um, and they basically had to, you know, I had to have, you can see the scar right here. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they went in, they did it. Um, it was a bone pressing on my facial nerve. Ooh. Um, they told me that I was going to have to have, like, they was have to go through my right ear to destroy, basically, my hearing in my right ear. Mm. So can you imagine being a young kid? person they telling you you went to school four years for music, music. Oh. and now they're gonna have to destroy your hearing in your right ear oh man yeah they didn't have to do that which is great <sighs> thank goodness right so i moved back to chicago area because my brother he went to school in chicago too he went to uh illinois institute of technology oh dope yeah 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 so he was living in chicago and he got a job so i moved back up to chicago with him yeah yeah and that's when I started working at Target. And I said, you know what? This is, I need to do something. Mm. A lot of my contacts had dried up as far as like, you know, music, music opportunity yeah. or whatever. I, I kind of saw, that's when I started working at GCI. But, and I was doing that kind of part-time and working at uh, Target full-time. But I needed to have something different. Mm. I needed to have something. So I was like, you know what? I always was interested in education so let me just go into education okay so i went back to school and i got my master's degree in oh, education dope. and then i started uh, i found a school that wanted to teach uh they wanted me in milwaukee i taught special education okay okay and i said well i'm gonna move to milwaukee just like that i'm, just moving. Like I'm moving yeah no. because yeah. now let me preface that i actually <laughs> went to school to get my mba at a different school and then I figured that that wasn't what I needed to do at the time. Okay. Because I really was passionate about working with people. Because being in the music industry, you meet a whole bunch of folks that really need to know the basics. Okay. <laughs> they really need to know the basics. <laughs> so I said, well, let me help the kids get the basics. Basics, yeah. And so I found an alternative uh, certification program. And that's how I ended up getting my master's degree. And that's how I ended up teaching um, special education in Milwaukee. Wow. So, before that, you didn't necessarily have a goal to do special education. It kind of happened? Yes. Like that. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. But I felt like that would be a good area because I would be able to help kids that really needed help. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's amazing. Uh, so, how was your experience at, with that in Milwaukee? It was a trip. Yeah. It was It was a trip. Uh, <laughs> I learned, again, this is one of those learning so much about who you really are. Um, I think my first year teaching, I think everybody's first year teaching is just terrible. That's um, a, I've heard that many of times, yeah, my because friends. you don't know what, what's going on. You don't know what the hell is, 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 is really going on. And you have all these like administrators telling you this and that and what you should or shouldn't do. And you have all these veteran teachers telling you this and that or whatever. And you can't necessarily find your own voice on top of working with the kids, working with the parents, working with the men's admins, working with the other older teachers, and doing all the grading of the papers and mm. meeting deadlines and being a special education teacher, having to do IEPs 
uh, for each, you know, kid that you have. On top of a case of 12 kids. Oh, my God. I think I had a nervous breakdown that first year. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, uh, I was out for a couple of days because I couldn't I could deal with this. Mentally, you just like, I was uh, just, this is just too much. Wow. Um, and I was like, I should have stayed in the music. I should have mm. just kept with that. This is crazy. Yeah. But I said, I can do this. I'm going to beat it. So, every year, because I taught for 11 years, it got a little bit better. That's crazy. It got a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. So, so these were very small classrooms, and yeah, were there different disabilities for? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would deal with kids mostly with uh, BED, which is behavioral educational disorder. Okay. So they would have outbursts, you know, uh, cursing, you know, fighting, bringing weapons to school, mm. and I kind of got stuck, I think, because I am a big guy, you know, six foot four. 300 something pounds they're yeah. like yo he can handle these kids I also have a mental you know <laughs> but let's say exactly physically yeah. I might be able to handle these kids but mentally just dealing with that over and over and over again uh, it's stressful yeah and it, you know shout out to all the people that's doing that because mm. you really 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 gotta have a love mm. for taking care of that population of children yeah, yeah. Um, and I did but it's difficult it's My. very difficult. He's like a very patient person, too, so I'm sure that kind of helps. At the time, maybe not as much? Well, I am. I, I, it's, it's hard to, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to leave his face with this stuff that I got. <laughs> no, you're getting no, please. Yeah, yeah. I'm patient. I'm also an asshole. Okay. And so those two worlds combined. That's kind of like, yeah. It's like, uh, I can be, but. I like, bruh. I'm an Aquarius. Same. You're Aquarius too? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, you know, I'm like to be real chill. Mm. I, that's my mantra. I like to be real chill and mm. just laid back. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I like to get shit done, yeah. make stuff happen. Yeah. But I also like looking at opposites. Because okay. I tell my, I tell my wife all the time. Like my wife is the perfect example of it. Um, she is a lawyer. She's very you know conservative with her dress. You know she likes Kohan shoes, nice tailored you know suits. You know yes. she's the quintessential nice looking lawyer lady. Yeah, that's dope. You know? That's dope. And I'm grimy, like to wear fatigues and army <laughs> pants and Tim's. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want a dog, right? Yeah. I'm a big dude. I want a dog, but I want a little dog. You know what I'm saying? Want, I like seeing these opposites. <laughs> yeah. you know, even my sweet mate here in the space. She's like this little bitty lady. Very you know? true. Right. And I'm like this big dude. I drive a small car. Yeah. I don't want a big car. It's easy for me to fit into a big car, but I like a small oh, car. Yeah. I mean, I just like the whole contrast i love that you know i love contrast so that's amazing i don't even know what we were talking about no no <laughs> just dealing with uh the different kind of disabilities the kids yeah, 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 yeah. that but so uh, so it was the ultimate contrast because you would have kids that had the behavioral dis disorders but you also have kids that were grouped into uh that classroom that had uh just straight up learning disabilities mm. so they were autistic gotcha and so, you know, their parents may didn't understand where they needed to be in the 
school kind of just pushed them into this, into this class. Yeah. So it, they wasn't getting what they needed, mm. if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Wow. So 11 years. Did you stay in Milwaukee? No. For 11 years? So at the time I was in Milwaukee, I met, uh, I had met my girlfriend, now wife, when I was in Chicago. Okay, Chicago. So you all started hanging and out there? So, yeah, we started hanging out there. And so she uh, was still with me while I was in Milwaukee. That's dope. And finally, she she lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And she's from uh, upstate New York. Oh, wow. And she she was the quintessential. She was me back in the day. Yeah. You know, she wore the barn coats, you know, the car hard. Yeah. She used to rhyme, too. <laughs> oh, so, really? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I wrote this note. Like, I really want to find a woman that used to rhyme, that rhymes. And had locks. And I'd be doggone if I didn't get that. No That's what way. she got. Yeah. That's crazy. So, it's, it's just funny seeing how she was, hearing her stories and her friends' stories about how she was and how she is now. I, it just blows my mind. Um, but anyway, she told me, she said, I'm going to move to uh, uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I got a job at uh, uh, North Carolina Central, so I'm going to move down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I was like, well, I want to finish schooling. Mm-hmm. So I was I was teaching and going to school at the same time. Wow! So you doing more school? Well, I, I oh, had no. got my certification. Yes, yet. I got you. Yes. So that first year yes. was basically my like training year for teachers. Gotcha. So I'm dealing with all that. I'm dealing with <laughs> I'm dealing with school, teaching the kids, admins, um, parents. And I'm getting ready to go to North Carolina. Golly. Now, at that time, I'm also collecting sneakers, but I'm not doing any of this yet. Right. You right. just for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Just just I'm just collecting sneakers and doing all stuff. Cause that was the only like escape I had. Gotcha. Like I couldn't I had always been a sneakerhead, but I, that was like the only escape I had was just to buy new shoes. Yeah. You know, and just wear them to school. Whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You to school you were teaching. Right, right. Yeah. So you walk in there fresh. Every every day I had a fresh new pair of kicks on. Like that was my thing. They were like, what the my God. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I graduated in two thousand nine. Uh I packed up, moved to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh I started working at Walmart. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because I couldn't find a teaching job, and that oh. was a whole that could be a whole another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, that's when I, you know, I I proposed to my wife. We, you know, we ended up getting married. Dope, dope, dope. Um, and then I did find a teaching job at uh, uh, another school in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Okay. It was in special education too. Oh wow! So you you yeah. stay with that? Yeah. Wow! And at the time where you can open and teach and whatever, did you want to stay in that field? Well, because of my certification, I can only oh, teach. Okay. Well, it's like this. I was able to teach other subjects. I could teach English, but all they wanted was the big black guy to to do the behavioral stuff. And I didn't get a chance to do other stuff because I didn't have any experience gotcha. doing that too. Yeah. So I taught in that type of classroom, in, the, in, the, in that special education classroom for, I think, maybe two years. And then I finally got an opportunity. My son was going to a charter school. Okay. And um, they were looking for an English teacher. And so I actually interviewed at that school. And um, 
they said you're great. Let's let's bring him on because wow. at the time, the, the excuse me, the teacher that was there had got called up in the reserves. Okay, so, so they yeah. needed a teacher because they had a whole bunch of people filling in. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll do it. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I'll do it. So I interviewed. It was great. They brought me in. So I left wow. the special education, and then I went into teaching in the regular classroom at a charter school, which was completely. I'm about different to say that's yeah. super different. So that was almost like the first year teaching all over again. I understood <laughs> how everything worked as far as like the parents and the admins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But teaching in a regular environment with a whole bunch of kids that are on, for the most part, on grade level. Of course, there are some undiagnosed special education kids in regular classrooms. Of course. So that gave me a leg up on being able to identify what kids needed help. And what kids were at a different level. Mm. So I was always used to dealing with different levels in the classroom. Wow. So that transitioned perfectly over to that. Yep. Yep. And so that was the first year I actually was like, you know what? I like this. Yeah. I like this. And this is after six years. Now, I have been teaching special education for six years. That's a long time. Right. So then I got into regular education. So it's kind of, I won't say it's a cakewalk, but you were already very prepared right. for that transition. Right, right. Wow, that's crazy how life works. Yeah, I know. Dude. Isn't that wild? Dude. <laughs> it, it, it's funny that we're doing this because it's like I got a story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of experiences. Oh, um, I know. I love it. So, yeah. So, I I, I started doing that and, you know, it, it, it got easier. It mm. got easier. And so I'm the kind of person that said, hey, you know, I'm used to being challenged. What else can I do? Yeah. And so my first thing, because I was already doing sneakers, was to create this sneaker cleaner called the Sneaker Serum. Oh, dope. Um, And so I created the Sneaker Serum. I had some help with uh, uh, Willis Foster. He was a science teacher uh, (laughs) (laughs) at, at the charter school. And he helped me develop this product. Uh, the sneaker cleaners. None talks about the great sneaker cleaner, and so I started doing that. Okay. So I'm teaching and I'm doing this on the side. The serum, the, right? You're this, making this, yeah, okay. yeah. And I'm still not doing this yet. And you say this is not. This is not even. <laughs> <laughs> this is not even that yet. So you, you were sneakerhead. So obviously it makes sense for you to have something like this. Right, right, right. And did you make this stuff? Yes, yes, I made it. With uh, the science, the science teacher. Yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was trying a whole bunch of different things. I was trying to because I didn't want anything that was too uh, abrasive to the like with chemicals. Like you know, old school people just take like Ajax or whatever and the toothbrush and just go yep. to work. Mm, that, yeah. But I wanted something a little bit more that was way more gentle. But also that was good for the environment. So mm. that's when I came up with the sneaker song. That's dope. Um, so I started doing that. I started doing some shows. Uh, I, I had my product in a whole bunch of stores okay. through North Carolina. Uh, a lot of them closed. Oh <laughs> man! Um, but I, I, you know, I, I still, I still do that to this day. I mean, it's not gone anywhere. You still make it? Yes, still ah, make it. Still, it's, uh, it's on Etsy. You know, I gotta plug myself a little bit. You got you. You <laughs> plug yourself throughout the whole show, my friend. Yeah. Um, but my first company was called the Sneaker Movement. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was, like I said, I went and, and did a whole bunch of different shows, mm-hmm. uh, like different vended at a different bunch of different shows, and I had a whole bunch of people. Loving my product. And so after a few years of teaching at um, 
at the charter school and, you know, getting the kind of foothold in the Durham, Raleigh area, you know, mm-hmm. meeting people, you know, people was like, you know, they, they knew who I am, you know. I had a couple of contacts overseas, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So I was sending my stuff overseas. I was doing good. And then my wife was like, yo, we moving to Muncie, Indiana. Oh. <laughs> So you had the momentum and everything going crazy and boom. Right. And I love her to death. Okay, don't even front. Yeah. It's not that thing. Because mama didn't raise no food. You go where the money is. You go where the money is. Right. So the money was in Muncie, so we go into Muncie. So I packed my shit up. All of it (laughs) packed up. Told everybody I'm going to Muncie. And they were like, where? I'm just like, (laughs) exactly. I have no clue. Right. we're out. Right. So, you know, uh, I finished the school year. My wife had already moved up uh, to Muncie and started working. Oh, wow. So she, y'all parted ways for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And a little side note to that. We tried to find, we had to find a house oh, my God. in Muncie, but we only had a weekend to do it. <laughs> what? Yeah. So we flew up to Muncie, and Muncie is right outside of Indianapolis. It's about an hour, hour 15 outside of Indianapolis. And so... In that weekend, we saw 25, 27 houses. Oh, my God. I don't know. Oh, my God. And then from, we, we flew in Friday. We saw all the houses, and we picked the house Sunday, and then we flew out. We didn't even know who was going to get the house, whatever. Bruh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So we ended up getting the house. But we had to wait for a while before we could do it. Now at this time, we were paying. <laughs> You're paying. New. We, we was paying. We was gonna start paying a new mortgage and our old. And the rent. Right. And oh, yeah, oh. Because our house in North Carolina had sold. Oh, okay. At the time, right. So it eventually sold before we had to start paying the new mortgage. <laughs> right. So we was all ecstatic. We was happy or whatever. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So when I moved to Muncie, that's when this started. Wow. Yes. So what sparked you to to move in this direction of like everything like vintage? The 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 the, the love for finding old things. Mm. Yes. Now, all through this time, you know, like I say, my 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 granddad and grandma yep. had always, you know, took me to flea markets and thrift shows. And even when I was in North Carolina, this beginnings of the vintage was there because I would always go to like Goodwills and stuff like that. I just wasn't, it wasn't a business. Mm. It was just like a kind of hobby, if that thing. I, I, okay. I didn't go to shows or anything. It was just I would find cool, interesting, neat things and I would just keep them. You buy them for, kind of right. for yourself. Right, 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 right. Maybe a purpose later on of maybe something. Maybe. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I collect toys too. So yeah. I had a whole bunch of toys that I would find. And, you know, at, at some point my wife was like, you know, I think I told you this. She was like, yo, <laughs> this stuff has got to get out of the garage. <laughs> out of here. Like, it's just too much. Um, but that's, in Muncie is when I first really felt like, you know what, this could be an actual business. Yeah. This would actually be something. Um, so I started, they, they in Muncie, they had a whole bunch of um, flea markets that I would go to, but the flea markets could actually have vendors there. So mm-hmm. you can just go in and each vendor had their own little booth set up and, and yeah. you have your number and they would all check out at the same place and then they would, you know, give you your number and your total accordingly, whatever, yeah. at the end of the month. 
And so I was like, you know what? I think I can do this. So I set up a booth in, um, in one of the little vendors, vendors uh, malls. And I put some stuff in there and I say, you know what? Lord, if this is... I guess I got some good stuff. I don't know. You don't because know, yeah. I, I really, you know, I just put some stuff that I liked. I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was interested in. And I went back a week later and they were like, hey, Corey, you sold 10 things. I was like, what? I was like, what? 10 what? items? Like, I sold 10. They was like, yeah, you sold 10 things. I, they was like, you probably need to bring some more stuff. You were like, Dope. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I went to the store bought like, and bought some more stuff. Went to flea markets and Goodwills and, 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 and was doing it. Now I was still teaching. Yeah. So I was doing it on the weekends and I was doing, because it was, it was just a straight part-time thing. And people liked it. It's you kept. Know, uh, I had students from Ball State that would actually come to my booth. Just for you. Just for me. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. Because... And, and this is just a vulnerability moment. I actually, when they told me that, and I came home, and I cried. Yeah. Because I was like, people actually like my stuff. That's a big deal. Like, who the hell would have figured this? That's a big deal. You know, and I was I was, I was, was shocked. Um, but I was like, okay, well, you want it? You got it. So, they that- had two different flea market, two, two different location so I opened up another booth <laughs> no way so I had two booths running at the same time yeah so I was you know stocking both of them and then I said you know what I need more room so I opened up another booth because it was a rival uh, little flea market area so I had three booths running at the same time three so you're running around getting filling each booth right and I'm still teaching them but I'm doing this on the weekends and after oh school or whatever right yeah. So I say I need more. So in the bigger space, I opened up another booth in that space, like a discount area. So stuff that wasn't selling at the other places, oh, I would it move to it to that one for the discount area. And so, so I had four booths running all at the exact same time. Oh my god! Yeah, that's crazy. Yes. <laughs> So I was making it work. I was making it work. And I was tired, but I was making it work. You had to be tired. Right. And, and I'm teaching regular education. So the, the, the school system in Muncie, the school I was at, um, it, was, it was cool. It was cool. Now, they did have some different, they had some issues later on <laughs> that I, I definitely don't want to go into. But a lot of people ended up leaving. And so I... Stopped teaching for a year, and I was just doing this full-time. Really? Um, yeah. So, I was doing that, but then I also picked up with the sneakers. And so, I was doing the sneaker stuff, and I was doing the vintage stuff. Separate. And same. Yeah. Sneaker movement. Yeah. And then, with that, were you finding old sneakers for people, or were you just reselling? I was finding, I was finding sneakers for people, reselling for people, cleaning for people, doing light restor- restoration for people, but also doing the clothing and stuff like that too. Was, and in some of the shows I would do, I would do both. Okay, yeah. I would do vintage and I would do the sneakers. That's, so I would be talking to people about rap tees while also cleaning a pair of like, you know, Jordan OJs. Right, right. Yeah. So it's like, it like yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I was mentally prepared for doing everything. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm used to just doing it all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. See, that's, that's and one thing about it, 
and give us a landscape of Muncie. It's it's a small it's a small town outside of Indianapolis. Yeah, Muncie is the classic vic- victim of uh, when they talk about the rust, the Midwest Rust Belt of America. That, that is, it's 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 a be- The people there are beautiful, um, but it, it it was like a town that time forgot. Yeah. Um, yep. A lot of old infrastructure because the big businesses and stuff left. Uh, a lot of manufacturing, you can tell, went overseas. Um, the people are nice. You know, they're willing to do whatever to help you. Um, but it's one of those places that I wish, you know, I, I wish they weren't in the situation that they were in. Yeah. Um, I, I still read the news from us every once in a while and just kind of keep up on what's going on there. Uh, a lot of new businesses are trying to open up there or whatever. And it's, That's cool. It's, it's all about, you know, I hope more businesses and, and, and more support uh, to the, especially like the small businesses. Just uh, one place I used to go to all the time, and I'm going to shout him out, uh, Mr. Dave at uh, Downtown Farm Stand. Mm. Uh, one of the first places me and my wife went to, he had a, a natural organic uh, store. He has a natural organic store. And he also has a restaurant on the inside. So That's they used dope. to make all of their own food, oh, even man. the breads and stuff like that. They used to have this um, uh, this 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 sandwich that they made with their own bread, and they had all these uh, organic like lettuce and tomatoes. Oh my god! <laughs> I used to lo- oh my god, we love it. I would oh. sneak and go there. <laughs> it sounds like it was heavenly. It was it was fantastic. Um, and just, I even, you know, talked to the owner there, and he was just like, it's all about support. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about not only getting your name out, but just being consistent. Yep. And, and making sure that people know who you are and what yes. you stand for. Yes. And not bowing down to what may be popular. mm may be the thing that everybody's doing. If you consistently you, people will appreciate that. No matter to everyone that. That's the number yeah. one jewel right there. Yeah, yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult. It's hard. It is. You know, I, I look at, you know, here in the Greensboro area, uh, some of my contemporaries, you know, uh, they're doing a lot better than what I, I, I wish I was doing. And I give them all the props in the world. But I can't change who I am and I can't change how I operate. Yeah. Because I'm copying at that point. I'm yeah. not being core. Mm. I'm not being who I am. Authentic, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a hard role to hold, but I can sleep at night knowing that I'm, I went to sleep me and I'm waking up me. Yeah, you. You know, I, I, that's it. That's the goal in life, man. I'm telling you, that's just, that's what I strive for. So that's super dope. Yes, sir. So with back then, obviously there's, you're filling these all 40 stores. Are you doing any type of research on what? Will sell well. Like, how are you able to do the business side of this to make sure you're getting you know things priced correctly or things? Right, right, yeah, right. yeah, talk about talk about that. So, one of the biggest misnomers people have is just people that do vintage and thrift are mm-hmm. just buying everything that they see, right? And that's not the case. I'm about to say no. <laughs> I will go, and I'm picky. I mean, some people are. Maybe more picky than me, maybe less picky than me. But research is probably the number one thing that you have to do in vintage. Mm. 
because there are a lot of people that will sell you stuff that don't know the history of what it is. There we go. Now, I think that may be the educational part of me, just, you know, being able to look at stuff and understand exactly where it is, where it came from, how it was made, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I like to know all of that information before I sell it. Wow. Because I want people to understand that it's a little bit of me in each piece that I'm selling. Mm -hmm. I'm not just selling you crap. I'm not just selling you a whole bunch of stuff. I'm selling stuff that I actually know about. Mm. You know, like yeah. on the shelf, it's a Teddy Ruxpin right there. Right, yeah. My brother had that. That's um, crazy. Yeah, my little brother had, well, not that one. That is one I found. But my little brother had one of those when they first came out. Uh, I forgot when it came out in like 90 something. Yeah. Um, and he used to play with it all the time. So I got that as a remembrance of him in the space. You know what I'm saying? That's, that That is a connection to me. That's wow. You know. Is that, did, part, is that for sale? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything's for sale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, remember my boss would actually mention uh, that, that doll in the. Uh, yeah, that's crazy that scene. I might actually send him a picture of that. Okay, <laughs> she, okay. Because he actually yeah, might be interested in buying <laughs> okay. that. Oh, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, but the but the research. Yeah. Understanding where stuff came from. And so I would go to the stores. I would find stuff that catches my eye. Mm. I will be in the stores looking up price comps. So I would go on eBay and I would look at the, the sold stuff. Yes. And see how much stuff went for. And I usually go by the the the... Mantra, if I at least can't make 100% profit, then I'm not going to carry it. Yeah. And even with that, sometimes I don't even buy it because it's too... I look at how soon or how fast things sold, mm. too. So let's just say I bought something for $5. It's selling for $20, but it took 70 days for me to get this $20. Yeah. Is that worth me to hold it? No. Heck no. Because if you have inventory that's not moving, you're not making money. So exactly. what's the point of having an inventory because this is going to go on your books yeah. as a uh, deficit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's taken away from the money that you actually have this liquid. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to get that. But if I find a t-shirt that I buy for $2.99, which I found, you know, plenty of wrap tees, $2.99, and it's selling for five hundred. I'm going to buy that. I say like, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take I'll take that. Look, yeah, yeah. Because it makes sense. Yeah. Now sometimes I've bought stuff like, for example, they have a buy the pound places all over the country. They have a buy the pound place. Uh, they had one in Chattanooga when I was going to visit my parents, and I found three really rare wrap tees. And a wrap tee is. A, uh, a t-shirt that's from the 90s, uh, late 2000s. Usually it will have, it's, it's kind of like a bootleg t-shirt uh, because merch for artists wasn't what it was now. Exactly, then. exactly. So people took it upon themselves to make their own merch. Mm -hmm. And so they would go to flea markets, they would go to like, you know, little pop-ups, they would have yard sales where they would sell these wrap tees. And they're becoming more and more rare now. Let's say, yeah. yeah. Because those things either dry rotted, got thrown in the garbage, whatever, whatever, from people that didn't think that they had any value. So people want them now. But I found a whole bunch of them, and I, I bought each shirt for 35 cents, and I sold, ended up selling one for $980. Sold one for $315, and then sold one for $175. Mm. 
You are kidding. No. That's that was two, two, three years ago. That's like, and did you? I imagine you did research. Would you know itself for that much? One of them I didn't. It was this Snoop Dogg. Uh, T. He was. They said the Dog Father, and I had never seen it before. Yeah. And to this day, I've only seen three. The one I had, and two other people I've seen on Instagram. Wow. And I don't even know if it's the same one or not. Right. That's the thing. I we don't. I nobody knows where that shirt is. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody sold one version, and I don't think it was mine. They sold a version on Instagram for three thousand four hundred dollars. Bruh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I felt like I got gypped for now. Everybody say, I mean, you made that profit margin is outrageous in that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. three yeah. grand. Yes, for a t-shirt. Oh my god, that's crazy. And I'm thinking like, when I was here last year, she told me how you make sure things are authentic. Yes. So, kind of explain that a little bit because obviously people are into buying vintage stuff now. Like they want to make sure they buy some real stuff. Like, how do you go through the authenticity process when you buy this stuff? So, part of the research is finding out tags. Mm. Um, you're looking at like if you have a t-shirt, you got to look at if it's double stitch or single stitch. Okay. Single yes. stitch usually in the '90s or earlier. Double stitch is in the 2000s. Okay. Uh, some sometimes you will find. Double stitch stuff. Well, let's 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 take a step back. Vintage, the definition of vintage is anything that's twenty five years or older. Really? In clothing, right? Okay. In clothing is twenty years old. Twenty. Okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, if you have pieces, and it's, since it's twenty twenty two, anything from two thousand two back back yeah. is vintage. Now, in the two thousands, late. Like 99, 2000, 2001, they started making double stitch. Okay. So some you'll find some vintage pieces with double stitching. But the most sought out the ones are the people the 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 stuff that's had single stitch. It it doesn't necessarily have to be a rap tee all the time. It could just be any tee that's from that era. Cartoons, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah whatever, yeah. 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 Now, like I said, it's a whole bunch of different websites to tell you the tags. So, if you see any uh, printed on tag in the back, that's not vintage at all. You mean like in the back, back here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the back where the tag would be. Yeah. Because they didn't start doing that till, you know, the last, I don't know, 10 10 years. Really? Because people started hating, and I could be off a little bit about that, but people started hating the tags in the back of shirts. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I do So, they have tearaway tags, and they have uh, the the printed tags in the back of shirts. Mm -hmm. So, that's not vintage. If you see a shirt that has that, it's not vintage. Okay. Um, if there's a skinny tag, because okay. some t-shirts have skinny tags, like it's not vintage. Type. Because vintage tags usually are old and you cannot read them. Yeah. <laughs> Fade it off. <laughs> yeah. Right. So a lot of times in vintage circles, we will uh, uh, measure, know your measurements from pit to pit. And then from right here on the shoulder mm-hmm. down to the bottom. Right. How long that is and how wide that is. Wow. Because vintage pieces usually are smaller okay. than more modern pieces. Right. You know, perhaps people were a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, so looking at the t-shirt and, and, and determining the size, that's another way. So single stitch, double stitch, the tags. Wow. And uh, the measurements and also the fade. If okay. you have a t-shirt that's been faded, natural versus artificial fade 
looks completely different. Really? That's one reason why, yeah, you can you can uh, look at a vintage t-shirt and know it's a vintage t-shirt because of the fade pattern. Uh, older t-shirts fade a certain way over t- with time, washing. It feels a certain way. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more soft. It's more broken in. It's thinner because it's done broken down over time from the cotton. You can't replicate that. Let's say, yeah. You can replicate the look. You can replicate the feel. But that thinness, that fade, is unique to that particular piece. Wow. And each piece, even if you have a hundred of the same shirt, will feel and look a different way. That's crazy. Yeah. Because everybody, all those shirts have a story. Yeah. They've been passed down from owners. They've been... Years and years and years. Years and years. So they wore and washed and were, you know, taken care of differently than somebody else's. Wow. That's crazy to me. So that's what makes vintage pieces so unique and so different. That's what drew me to this whole, you know, business because everything has a story. Yeah. You know, I got an army coat from... Back in the back there, it's like from 1953. That's outrageous. Right. That that was during the Korean War. Yeah. Now I don't know if the coat was in the war. I can't say that. But that's a piece of history. Yeah. You know that yeah. coat is older than my mama. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know that's crazy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. My mom yeah. was born in '59, so yeah. that coat is older than her. That's crazy. And it's yeah. still here, and you and have it's it. still here, and it's like. You can't find that. That that's the finding stuff that should be in museums is exactly why I do this. Why My I love it. Gosh. And where'd you so where'd you find that? In the bins. It's sitting in the bins. Still yeah. in the bins. And so a lot of times when you have people that go to the bins, they're looking for and I'm not gonna diss younger people that's doing it because everybody's doing it for different reasons. Right. But a lot of people are looking for the hype stuff, the the rap tees and all the stuff like that. But when I go into the bins, this is just me personally. When I go into the bins, I like to look at stuff that's different. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you say something about how do you know when to, what to buy and, and exactly. what's going Exactly, yeah. So that's the music part of me. That's okay. the music part of me. Okay. Understanding trends. Reading, you know, hip-hop websites. Looking at Instagram, certain Instagram accounts. Yep. Uh, looking at college students. Oh, yeah. And you're in a perfect time for that. Yeah. 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 I'm in a perfect time for that with yep. UNCG uh, and, and A&T. Um, looking at, you know, I still got friends in schools. Looking at what their kids are coming to class wearing mm. and what they're seeing. Yeah. Uh, understanding the business of what's been bought and what's been sold. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Certain rappers will buy certain companies. So is that going to be a push now? I just, oh yes, yeah, like modern modern rapper. Oh yeah. yeah, yes, wow, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so following the news, following the trends, following Instagram and Twitter, looking at what students and kids are wearing, because even if I'm doing a show that's mine or somebody else's, okay, I look at what everybody's wearing too. Yeah, I have a notebook or write down. Okay, this is hot. This is what's like going right on. Quick. Right, cool, right, cool. right, 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 yeah. right. This is what I see this person wearing. Because fade trends go up and down, up and down, absolutely, up and down. always changing. Right, right, right. So you got to be abreast of it, and 
I used to work for Apple. Oh, so <laughs> of course, of course, walking. right? Of course, you did. Right, right. right. <laughs> I had a lot of jobs. <laughs> but one of the things I learned at Apple is you don't necessarily always have to follow, but you need to lead when it comes to stuff. I like that. Yeah. So, part of that leadership is not necessarily I'm going to push this product and make everybody wear it, but it could be the way business is done. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that's where the consistency comes in. That's where me being Corey, me being forever yesterday, me being sneaker movement or sneaker song, I'm consistent in what I do. Facts. There's no up and down, left and right about it. I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. Mm. You can come to me and ask. You know, I even help some like younger people with like questions about their business. Some people don't want to do that. Yeah. I will just because I'm consistent in what I do. Yeah. Ask me a question and I'll help you. It's facts. I have no reason to hold information back. Mm. And I think that's the teacher part of me, but I also think that that's the part of me just getting to know people in the community and kind of building, you know, who I am and my ethos, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You do a good job with it. It's funny, I was on your page the other day just doing my research, and I saw you post that Nipsey Hustle quote about. Yeah. Sharing knowledge for people around you, and some take it, some don't, right. some whatever. But either way, you gave it away for free. And knowledge is my knowledge is not. I want to price tag my knowledge. I want to spread what I know, and you take it for what it is. Right, right, right. Because I don't understand why, you know, in, in the music industry, I was talking about gatekeeping. Yes. Oh my God, gatekeeping yeah, is, is everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere right. Bruh. And people, you know, people talk about how bad they gatekeep, but then ask yourself, do you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. Right now, I'm not saying that people should just go and be like, "Yo, I get all my stuff here. You should go look for this." Right, you know, and give away your honey holes or your special places and what you do. But at the same time, it's like lead a man to fish. Facts. You know, what's the point of being a gatekeeper? Yeah. You know, um, some knowledge is to be shared, and some knowledge is to be. I say you ain't gonna give everything in, in yeah. the world away, but for the general stuff, it's like take it. Right. This is not anything new. Right. This is, I've right. learned this from this person, paying it forward. Right. Because I've been through pain. I've been through struggle, both physically and mentally, especially with this business. And why not help somebody that's, okay, perfect example. Again, we were talking about this before you came in, taxes. I'm doing my taxes. A lot of people, <laughs> yeah. a lot of Jewish people aren't doing, doing their, their taxes. taxes. That's why they're making so much money. Yes. Some are making a lot of money and they're doing the taxes and I give them all the props of the world. Yeah. But some of these cats is just selling stuff. Yeah, not doing the, yes. And Uncle Sam ain't going to feel that. And then when they find <laughs> out, and usually they find out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Since with, the, with PayPal and all that stuff now, tracking that stuff. Yes, right. They're tracking over like $600, something like yeah, that yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, you're, they're going to get you. Yeah, right. They're going to get you. So yeah. don't think that this is this is just going to be <laughs> yes, No, exactly. it's not. Um, yep. You know, one of the questions, one of the quotes, my, <laughs> I got to quote my wife. She said, is this your side hustle or your business? When I started doing this. Yeah. And she said, if it's your business, I need you to act like it's a business. It needs to be a straight up business. Yeah. Right. And you do all the parts of it. Right. Yeah. Because when I started, stopped teaching here in Greensboro, um, it was kind of abrupt. Some stuff happened. Yeah. You know, and, and you just move on. And I had a lot of stuff and a lot of issues going on. I had, um, this is right, this, this is the funny part. This is right before COVID. Oh, man, yeah. My grandmother 
when we didn't know what COVID was, died from COVID. Wow, you had no clue what this before no, 2020? This is, no, this is right, and this is December of 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, brother. Yeah. And so, you know what? It was either at the end or the beginning of 2020 or something like that. At this point, I don't even know because I was so messed up. But she passed. And we knew it was that just because of what she had and the symptoms that she was exhibiting. It's the exact same thing as mm. people were dying. Yep. So this was early on before everybody knew what the you know pandemic was going to turn into. And so I was dealing with that. I was dealing with some other issues. And I was doing school too. And it was just too much. And I had to, um, we had to break away from each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And it was abrupt, of course. And me and my wife had some serious discussion. It was real, you know. It was real shit, yeah. And she said, you know, that's when she said that quote. If this is going to be a business, work it as a business. Yeah. If it's going to be a hobby, you need to get you a job. And you need to do something. Yeah. Because we can't, we can't survive just on love yes <laughs> you know and she was like yes I'm, I'm I'm making okay Saturday I'm making a good Saturday we comfortable but at the same time I know you don't want to just sit here and mope yeah she was like I don't want a a, 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 a sad ass man walking around here because that's not who you are Corey you're a person that has passion for stuff so if this is a business work this shit like it's a business bro right. I love and, that. And when your wife punk you, what you do? You wake up, you get the hell up. up. You know you what I'm saying? You're going to do it. Yeah. And that's why I love her because it's like, yo, she the kind of person that will smack the shit out you, punch, punch you in your chest. Don't hit her back, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but she's that kind it's, of woman. It's all love, though. Right. And I needed that kind of woman. Yep. You know, we've been, we've been married years. And it's like, I needed that kind of woman. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing this as a business. And like I said, some people are doing this as a little hustle. Some people are really doing this business. So I'm being a lot more cautious in what I spend. And I'm being a lot more cautious in my inventory tracking and stuff like that. And I'm being a little bit more picky because I need to be. Got it. You have to be. Right. If you want this to be sustainable and for it to last long term, you got to do that. Right. Right. That's that's So when it... So if it turns into your real thing, because obviously you went, you went through a lull where you were doing this because the teaching thing, just stuff was happening with that. So when did you, like, what year was it that you like, okay, cool, this is my business? Was that, was that 2020? That was 2020, right before the pandemic. Wow, that's right, when, when I met right. you. So, yeah, it was, I left teaching in the middle of February, and I needed to take some time because of my grandmother and some other people that had passed um, in my life. And it was just too much. So I needed to take a couple of weeks to figure out what I was going to do. Which is fine. Which is perfect. Right. Now, while I was... Now, I just want to take a step back. I was still doing... I was doing this as a business while I was teaching in, uh, here in Griffith County. Um, and it was doing good, but it was not where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It was the side hustle versus business. Yeah. And I was trying to run like a business, but I ain't really I was doing I was messing up <laughs> yeah. okay I was yeah. uh, my wife would say you know get my taxes get my taxes get my taxes and I was giving to her later and mm. we, we had this stuff 
I did some business stuff even when I was in North Carolina the first time. Uh, I got an LLC and stuff like that, but I still wasn't doing it right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't working it as a business. Um, So, middle of 2020, probably about the beginning of, at the end of February, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to work this as a business. And then, snap, damn pandemic. God. (laughs) I can't believe that, man. Yeah, the first week in March. Was complete. What, what was it like? First, second week of March, yeah. shut down. Shut. I mean, shut down. So at my at the space at five hundred three, they were like, "We're closing." Oh, they actually didn't allow, allow nope. you to be in there. Nope, they closed. No way. That's crazy. Yeah. So I had to pack my shit and take all of it back. Yes. Wow. How yes. No, so I'm again I'm back in the garage. Yes, you back I in, the was in the garage. I'm in the garage in Muncie, Indiana. I'm in the garage again. In North Carolina. In North Carolina, working out of the garage. So I got my little computer, I got my table, I started taking pictures, I started putting stuff on eBay, and I started selling. So you're still rolling. Oh, I'm still rolling. I got to. At no this point. way. That's because cool. again, my wife challenged me, I gotta make this a business. So I'm like, okay, let's get it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You wake up and this is what you do. Yep. Woke up. Went out in the garage, started working. Yeah. You know. Um, the problem was, I had a lot of stuff at 503. Yes. And I couldn't get all of it. So, what I had to do was, I had to go back and start sourcing. Sourcing, getting stuff, was a challenge during the pandemic. Because, of course, a lot of stores were closed. Some stores were open. So, I would go in there, double masked up. We had no vaccine. Oh, yes. Pre, yeah, right, pre-vaccine. Right. <laughs> yes. Double mask up, making sure I stay away from people, and I was just, just picking. Mind whatever. Picking. Just like, do, picking. Do, 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 right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Buying stuff online. Oh, um, yes. Right, yeah. Sourcing yeah. online. Uh, because some places like, you know, Florida, Texas, whatever, Tennessee, they didn't have the same COVID restrictions that other places did, so they were able to move a little bit more. Gotcha. Right. You're right. Um... So I just kept it moving. I kept it working. I kept it working. I was going to um, yard sales. People were having yard sales. I was doing that. You know, I was really getting my hustle mentality on uh, to make it work. Um, so finally, when stuff started to subside a little bit, you know, they opened up 503 and then I, I went back in 503. Took all your stuff back in 503. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I all my stuff back in 503. Oh my god! But at that point, you were I said momentum. So, and 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 see, this is the thing about momentum. I did, and then when it started getting open, more open, guess what? People started adventuring out more. So people weren't in the house buying stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that part of it. Cause that's the thing is like yeah when things are I mean yeah, I think things opened up kind of it was like that because we were cool then we were not then we we're cool we we're not um, yeah that that's crazy how that worked because it was really like that because people were out here people were not people were out and people were selling stuff online were just making crazy money right right yeah yeah right. so that that's, that's that's wild so I kept it moving it wasn't where I wanted but I kept it moving yeah oh my goodness and so when did you call it forever yesterday when did that start. So, let's see. Me and my wife were trying to figure out. I the, the first name of the business was called TMS Clothing. Okay. 
So the sneaker movement, which is you know my sneaker business. Here? Yes, perfect. Uh, TMS clothing. Uh, and I had a little logo, and the logo wasn't all that good, and it was just kind of whatever. And so I was like, well, I need to come up with again. So during, so it was something different. So I came up with uh, again clothing. Again clothing. Again, right. And the tagline was, it's been worn before, why don't you wear it again? <laughs> okay? And real talk. It was like mad corny and ridiculous. And so <laughs> I thought it was cool, but I was like, nah. So I was like, all right, sweetie. I need help with coming up with this name. And so my wife is the one that actually came up with it. Really? This is her? Yeah. Forever yeah. yesterday. I yeah. like that. She said, I, I kind of had the bones of it. I had, yes. I was like, I don't, I don't like companies. And I made this mistake with the sneaker movement. I don't like businesses that have the name of what they do in the actual name. Yeah. So, sneaker movement, yeah, I do sneakers. You can kind of get that. But I want to do other stuff, so now I'm kind of stuck with sneakers. Yeah. But for every yesterday, hits on all the points. So, it's about yesterday. It's about what we all grew up with. It could be an older person. It could be a, a, a younger person. It's always about the past. I love that. Right. And it can incorporate anything. Wow. Yeah. You're, and you yeah, literally you, do everything. Right. Right. From Nerf guns right here all the way up to like, I, I got a bobble here here. I got, like I said, I had that coat back in the back and sneakers. I mean, whatever. See, that's crazy. It's that all about yesterday. I can imagine my family coming in here. My mom and dad, my grandfather, my, even my, my bosses at work who are older. They will be in here going crazy over some of this stuff. When I walked in, I, I mean, that doll, the rust thing, it's all, it's all this stuff is just so just crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it caters to every audience. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. So she's the one who came up with it. I love it. Again, thank you, Melissa. Shout out to, yo. Shout, shout out to, to Melissa. <laughs> shout out to Melissa. You got you got his dude's back, man. <laughs> you slept him in the face. Like, hey, man, you can get, you can get this thing no, serious. She slapped me in the face. I know. Not, she not, not physically, but she. She, 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 punked, she, she punked me. She, she brought you to reality. <laughs> hey, dude, if you're doing this, you need to do this. That's my girl. I love her. Shout out to Melissa. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I guess. Uh, I guess March. I don't know. I don't. I don't really remember when we started doing it, but we we did, and now it's this is and now this you're is it. you're flowing. Yeah, man. And how's business now? Everything it's pretty crazy right now. Because at this point, where I would say we're we're getting out of the pandemic, we're we're kind of coming out of it. So obviously, is business kind of going pretty well? Or right now, business is doing okay. It's not again. It's not where I think everybody wants more. Yeah. Um, but I understand that it does take time because if you don't have, um, if you don't have certain stuff, you won't sell certain stuff. Yeah. But it's all about, like you said, like we were talking about earlier, trends. So it's going well. One of the things we, been trying to do like I talked about a little bit earlier was uh, my friend, me and my uh, my boy Tim. We started uh, the Vintage Classic here in Greensboro, 
and we have a vintage show with other vendors, vendors from around the triad, and we sell our stuff there. Yeah. So stuff that doesn't sell necessarily online, we sell at the vintage classic. Gotcha. Right, right. Really? So it's another avenue for us to get our stuff out, but also get awareness about our businesses and stuff like that. I love that because in Tim, what does he operate? Vintage. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, it's cool that you're able to start more of a, a community with it. Because obviously, I guess you both, and Megan's coming in. I'm just going to get her to say what's up. Meg, come say what's up. No, sorry, no, absolutely not. Come say what's up to the people. <laughs> this is Daniel White Show. Say what's up, Meg. Hello, hello. Yeah, Meg's in here. <laughs> Meg's the OG. Shout out to Meg. We're actually remember both their studios, so Meg's here. But um, it's dope that you're able. You don't need to be quiet. You're good. You're good. Do your thing. I'll, I'll pick it up. Um, it's cool that you're able to establish some community with working together to doing this this endeavor. Right, right. Um, and he's in Greensboro, obviously, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. in Greensboro too. He's actually uh, at five hundred three. Oh, really? Yeah. So we do a lot of our events uh, mostly at five hundred three too. Five hundred three East Washington. Oh my yeah. goodness! Because it's a dope space. Yeah, yeah. You it know, really is. it's not the biggest space. It's not the most you know easy to find space, but it's a very unique space. That's what, and that's we, what matters. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to be consistent with our Vents and stuff like that. So, yes, you know we have one actually coming up on March fifth. March fifth um, every month. Yeah, every month. Well, it's not March fifth on every month, but it's one. I mean, every like, month. yeah, yeah. You do it every month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, vintage so, classic. Yeah, so, yeah, so. You know, you just pick some of your pieces from here and there, and just take them somewhere and just set up and have a good time. Absolutely, yes, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And speaking of Tim, and obviously there's a bunch of uh, you know, you probably know a bunch of vintage dealers. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any discouragement knowing you, your confidence? I Probably not, but do you feel any discouragement with the saturation of how many vintage sellers there really are? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Uh, I think we all do. Um, this is, you know, for me, it's not a negative at all to what we're all doing because, you know, there, there's something like, I forgot the exact number, but it's like 30 or 40 million pounds of clothing thrown away every year every year yeah 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 yeah. and there's enough for everybody (laughs) oh god there's enough for everybody thank you for saying that i love that yeah and this to me is an opportunity for all of us to do something good for the environment and make stuff old old stuff new again i love that um you know it I look at it like there's everybody has a niche. Mm. You know, that's one thing I look at. Like, you know, I might look at some vendor sellers and what they're selling. I'm not going to sell the same thing. Why? It's not. I might sell some of the same things, but not all of the same thing. Yeah. Because again, I'm copying. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to find my own niche. And I think that's the best way to do it. You know, um, I would love to sell more women's things, Mm. but I'm not a woman. So it's kind of hard for me to, you know, I've sold some pieces. Yeah. You know, because I have, you know, with the help of Meg and, you know, my wife. Big shout out to Meg. Big big, big shout out to Meg. Big shout out to Meg. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Trying to help me, you know, she she told me something, Meg told me something that I kind of stick to with men and women. Think of the entire person, Mm. the look that you want the person to have. Mm. And that will actually help you figure out what 
pieces should go with that look. Love that. And because she makes clothing, so she always has to think about, okay, how can I make this look like a complete part of the outfit? Full look, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's one approach I'm trying to take with some of the vintage. I'm not selling you pieces. I'm trying to create ideas for you to build upon. Oh, I love that. That's dope. And so later on, I want to have complete outfits. Probably, I'm probably going to start that sometime, you know, in the next couple of months. So I can sell, listen, pants, shirt, sneakers, sneakers. Yeah. This, this is a look. Yeah. Put stuff together so people can actually look at it. You know, I want to have eventually branch out to have some models come through and, you know, kind of sport my wares. If that makes sense. No, that's lit though. Yeah. No, that's it. And I, I think we were talking about this earlier. Um, you see where you want to go and what you want to do and you know you're not there and you know you can't get there yet mm. because it's not the right time. Right. You can't force yourself to do something that you're not ready for. Facts. Yeah. And so I may see people that's doing more stuff than me but I also got to take into consideration how long they've been in a certain market how long they have known people how long they've been doing this in general. Yeah. Age, their age does has nothing to do with the fact that they may have been doing this longer than I am. Right. And I'm fairly young in this. I'm learning. I have a whole bunch of experience, but I'm fairly young and I have to accept that, but I also have to move in certain ways. Yes. You know, I have to move like a snake. I have to, you know, I have to be quiet with my movements. That's, I'm telling you, I'm all about that that silent pr- progress you know what i'm saying not telling everyone what you're doing and kind right. of just seeing under the radar is there's a lot of goodness in that and it's, it's, it's less stressful right because at apple they used to always sell us um you have detractors and net promoters yeah yeah and net promoters are the people that talk good about your business mm-hmm. and detractors are the people that talk bad about your business so your goal is not to get 20 or 30 people talking about your business mm-hmm. Your goal is just to get more good people talking about your business. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And so it, 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 I know that's really simple because I think everybody wants good people to talk about their business. Nobody wants bad people to talk about their business. But the mindset is you get more positive. You mm. do more positive. Mm-hmm. You act more positive. Then you get more positive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Facts. So if you get more positive feedback, you get more positive your actions. See? You see what I'm saying? It all makes sense. Yeah. Jules. And it all works together. So it's like, okay, that is the mindset. I don't want to disappoint the folk that work with me. Yeah. You know, people come back and buy from me. It's not the most in the world, but it's able to, 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 to pay off the rent. That's it. <laughs> you know, pay on the car note. Yeah. Um, put somebody in the house. Yeah. It ain't the biggest, but it's something. Yeah. And I think, and honestly, this is just real talk. This is just me being Corey. I think as a man, we all want to help. We all want to provide. We all want to do. And if I can do something to help and provide and do, even though I'm not 100% providing, I'm trying and I'm helping. And I think that's the, the biggest thing If as long as you feel like you're trying to do something. Yeah. I think that's important. That's it. Yes, that's wonderful, man. Yeah. Look at these jewels. 
I love that because I think a lot of people when they start these business work for themselves, their goal is to make it just a ton of money and they're trying to kind of just lose track of the vision. But you said you're taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your bills, and you're happy. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. That's what it does. So I could feel that. That's, that's awesome. Because a lot of people, and I think this is part of our society now, it's, it's so much of a focus on actual money mm. and not happiness. Yeah. Not secure in your feelings and your emotions. Is your family good? Yeah. You making millions of dollars. Okay, that's cool. Is your mama okay? Yeah. Uh, very great you know question. <laughs> Those are questions I mean, that matter. Yeah. Sometimes buying mama a house when she needs some shoes. Yeah. Is the most important thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People yeah. have misplaced ideas of what happiness is. Yep. Happiness is when you don't have to worry. Yeah. You know what I mean? 110%. Right. So that's where, you know, we're blessed, me and my wife, to be in a position where we worry about stuff, of course, like yeah. anybody. Of course. But we don't have to worry about certain things. Hmm. And I think the happiness is the most important thing. I'm not worried about forever yesterday. It will get where it needs to get to. Mm -hmm. Do I want it to get that fast sometimes? Yes, I do. Yes. But I understand that it will get to where it needs to get to if I'm just being who I am and consistently being who I am. Yeah. You know? And that's the part, like, I, like we were saying, a lot of people don't have patience for that. Yeah. You mentioned that earlier with you. Yeah. yeah. They just don't have patience. And I think that's what you said that got patience, I think that's when it comes in because I've had so many setbacks. I've had deaths. I've had... Pandemics? Pandemics. <laughs> I've had illness. Yeah. I've yeah. had... Lord knows I don't want to get emotional. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. This is your story, man. You know, but I, I've had so much stuff You're good, brother. This is what it is. This is White Show, man. This yeah. is it. This is, this is real stuff. I like, I like. I've had so much stuff that, oh. I've had so much stuff that would stop a normal person. Yeah. And I can't stop. You're doing it, man. I'm trying, you know. My best friend, my best friend, his name is uh, his name was James Chisholm. Mm. He died uh, 40, 43, 40, I don't even remember because when something traumatic happens, you just kind of it all goes. It's it's in the ether. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. And this is uh, this dude was. My boy, you know, sometimes people would look at him and people would look at him and swear they saw me and, I, and vice versa. It was, we were that close. That's wild. Yeah. Um, we met back in high school and um, he was older than me. He was the only person I looked up to as my big brother. Like for real. It, it, <laughs> Two people could not be closer than weren't related, bro. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's Very, crazy. It's special. But he always used to tell me, he always used to tell me, keep going. 
like keep doing. He was always asking me about my business and what I'm doing and, and stuff like that. And for me, for me, it's not about anything else other than trying my best. Just trying my best. Yeah. Yeah. Being consistent to who I am. Sometimes I think people, and this is just real, I, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I think people um, may look at me and what I'm doing and what I'm saying and may get turned off by that because I'm very assertive in what I'm talking about. Mm. Because I want it to be done right in a certain way. If I put my mind to it, it needs to be done. It doesn't need to be something you play with. Yeah. Put your full force of who you are behind it. And I think some people get turned off by that. Facts. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes I may turn people off by that because mm. I don't I'm not thinking about how I'm not thinking about how it sounds to folks. I can still get my same point across and what I want done beside it a different way. And I think a lot of times the message delivery is more important than the actual message. Mm, yeah. Because that right there will turn certain people off if it's not given to people the right way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I keep thinking about him and I keep thinking about the fact that he would ask me about how I am and what I'm doing and mm. not about the business but how is Corey doing that's rare these days right. it really is and that's when you have a good friend yeah. that's when you have somebody that you really care about and that cares about you because it's like how are you doing what's yeah. going on with you yeah we'll talk about the business later you have a good day today. Well, there it is. Yeah, you know, so yeah. like you have a good yeah. day. Like, brother, what's going on with you? Yeah. You know? And I like I like to try to ask that to people. Because I know business is business and everybody wants everybody's in for the same goal to make money and be successful and stuff like that. But what is success if it ain't happy? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So sorry about No, you're good. No, I love it. No, this is your story. This is real this talk. Is, this that wasn't important. that wasn't scripted or anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to front. I know I went to school for theater. It's not a theater thing. I'm oh, you were a theater kid, snot. Ashley. Yeah, but I got snot coming out my nose, son. Like, this ain't, nah, this ain't that for That's real. No, that's real. Meg is laughing. No, that's real stuff, though. Like, I'm sure he, and he's with you on this, man. Yeah. This is, is that's, that's, especially that you have someone like that in your life. Yeah. Because it's something that people, it's, it's very hard to find. Yeah, yeah, for real. So. For real. I mean, it really, you know, he's been gone. This will be three years. And. It just for like I said, two years. I, like I said, I don't even know, man. I just yeah, time. I remember weird. the day he he, I learned he passed, and I, I, he passed last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you're falling. I shit. I don't even know. Anyway, yeah. and I just I remember going to the to his service, and I just everything is a blur. I don't I don't I seriously I I, I don't. But I said all that to say that, um, you know, that's it, all of this. Everything I've been through is just to push me. Yeah. To keep me motivated. Yeah. And knowing I can't stop. You know, sometimes I look at how much I'm doing and it's like, damn, it's a lot. 
But it's like, nah, it's not. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. Right. Of your life. Right. This, this is a small blip. Right, because like I said, I got hurt, and I was down for two years. So I got, I, I feel like, sometimes I feel like I got making up to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, two years is a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like 43, but really, I'm 40, 41. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a good way to think, though. I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 40, even 40, because it's like, I got, I got a, where would I be if I had three more years of doing what I'm doing? Yeah. So I think that's when the idea creeped into my head, hey, I need to move and do more stuff faster. But it's like, okay, you got to do it right, though. You do gotta it do efficiently, it yes. Right. Make sure it's efficient. Right. So. I love that. I keep thinking about you selling base- baseball cards or basketball cards in the flea market when you're 13 years old and, and look at you now. Right, right. You know I mean, dude, that cool? dude, that's crazy. Like that was fit, crazy. Fit Michael Jordan right here. Just right, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know being a 12-year-old, and it was me and my best friend sign. Being a 12-year-old, set up at the flea market, selling uh, baseball and basketball and football cards to, like, grown-ass men. Yes. Making you know, natural money. Making money. Going home. Putting money in my piggy man, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we talking about, like, 500. Yeah. Just boom, boom. Mama coming to you like, yo, let me get some money. I need some, I need some help. Need some right. Money. Yeah, yeah. You a whole ass mom. You're 13 you know what years old. Like, you know you it's like, here you go. <laughs> you like, how much? Cool. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, damn. You know, that's crazy. You that's... know, but it's the mentality, I think, it's the mentality I think hustlers have and people that want to make money. Yeah. You know. Hustlers will get paid. Bruh, I respect all of them. Yeah, yeah, I respect all of them. <laughs> Seriously. But I don't knew hustlers hustle harder than me. And it's like, bruh, I don't care if I got to cut your grass with some scissors. <laughs> I'm getting that money getting, today. I love that mentality. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. That's crazy. Because even when I went to Muncie, I was like, listen, I ain't got no job. If I had to like snow some driveways, let's do it. I'll do it all day long. Do it. Yes. Do it. So. And that's why mentality is different with a, I'm not saying old is a bad thing, but an older generation is so different than what probably kids my age are. They're not don't they don't have that that drive to like no, I'm gonna make it work. Right, right, right. You know, a lot of them do, but a lot of them don't. So and a lot of them scared. Yeah, are scared. A lot of them, exactly. a lot of them don't know how. Yeah. Because they did. It, it, me and my wife was talking about this before. We was like, our son, he's in, he lives in New York. He graduated, got a good job, you know, thank God. He's doing That's awesome. Thing, right. And uh, we're like, us as parents did what we needed to do to have a better life for our kids. I was like, but there's something about growing up in the projects, growing up around people that were poor just like you, that puts in you to make you do better. Mm. My son had most of what he wanted and what he needed. We didn't have it. So we had to get it. Mm-hmm. That's why I was selling baseball cards at 13. Yeah. I wanted to get some Jordans. Yeah. <laughs> some juice, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My son, he had great grades. If he said, Dad, I really want some Jordans, I would go buy some Jordans. Yeah. You're a good kid. Right, right. You're a good, good kid. I mean, you, I, this is what you deserve. Yeah. You know? So it was, that was the mentality for him. But our hustle mentality or people that grew up trying to figure out and make a way out of no way, it's something about growing up like that or having that in your background 
that makes you a different animal. Yeah. You know. 110%. Yeah. I think my family is saying that. You're the girl from the Project in High Point and how they're, they're all go-getters. You know I mean, they're, yeah. they're always at it, even to this day now. 50 right. plus years old, they're all they're, they're getting it. Yeah, got to. Yeah. Got to. Because you're scared. You, you knew how it was when you didn't have Yeah. You know, I'm blessed to have this, you know, space. This Myself space. in here. Yeah. I mean, we had, you know, when I was little, we had some stuff where we lived in the projects. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then my mom got a, you know, apartment, a, a little duplex, and she was working, you know, every single day. Yeah. You know, coming home, trying to fix her something to eat. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I got to do something. I want better for for all of us. Yeah. So, yeah. Here we are. Just that latest out of it. yesterday. Yeah. What a story, brother. Thank you, this man. So you good. took me through an emotional roller coaster up in here. This is, <laughs> this is what we I do. I wasn't expecting all that shit. Hey, it's sometimes crazy. it just comes naturally. And the goal of this and free pizza, both podcasts, is to really let you guys sit back and realize all that you've done. You know, which is so much. Because a lot of people, you you so used to working that you kind of forget your own story sometimes. I think you haven't forgotten it, but, like, it's cool. It's probably crazy retelling a lot of these stories. Like, man, I forgot that happened. That's crazy. Yeah. That, yeah. And that got me here. Yeah. So that's what, that's yeah. what this celebrates, just, just the stories of, of individuals. Yeah, just, just I, it, it took me it took me back. It yeah. took me back on some stuff. It made me realize some things. Yeah. Yeah, so I appreciate that. Of course. I'm honored that you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Thank you're you. forever being ingrained in my journey, so this is cool. <laughs> absolutely. You know? Well, plug the business so people know where, <laughs> where we can find you All right, and cool. support you. So I have a few webs, a uh, couple of Instagram accounts. Uh, the main one is the number four ever yesterday. Mm. That's where you can find all my vintage and stuff like that. Forever yesterday, the number four. Uh, if you have anything to do uh, with sneakers, want sneakers clean, need sneakers found or whatever, you can go to uh, the Sneaker Movement. It's just Sneaker Movement. You'll find me on IG. And if you want to know about any of the events that we got coming up here in Greensboro for the vintage, you can definitely check out uh, the Vintage Classic. Yes. Uh, go to the Vintage Classic. Our first, our next show is uh, March 5th, and we have 5th. one in April. Yes. And then we're, well, March 5th, 11 to 5. We'll make sure I say that right. Yes. And then we have one in April, and May, and June, July. So definitely check that out and follow it. Yes. I'll link all that in the description, of course. And Corey, thank you, man. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Yes. And let you get back to your to work. Get your taxes done today. That's yeah, the goal today. That's the goal. That's, that's the, the goal. goal. Taxes. <laughs> We support Corey, support the podcast, uh, Daniel White Show. We're everywhere on all podcasts. Well, we're, I am everywhere on uh, all platforms. Um, but thank you for listening and goodbye. Peace.